Sota Perikhes, Mishnah Gimel 8.3, the Mishnah continues now, saying the other side of the coin, certain people you might have thought were exempt, based on the, of the previous Mishnah, from participating in the war effort at the, as the soldier. Um, here we see people who are not exempt. Ve'elu she'enen chosrin, the following people may not retreat from the front lines to go behind it and be support instead of actually a combat soldier. Habona ve'shar, someone who's built just a base shar is like a, a uh, like a watch gate inside, um, you know, the wall of of his uh, property or of the chaser around his property. So a guard might stay there for short periods, but it's not for living in. And therefore, since it's not established in a place that a person could live long term, it's not considered a bias that would exempt him. Same same goes for an achsadra and mirpeses, achsadra like a portico, like a covered colonnade. People don't live there. There's not proper walls. Mirpeset is like uh, essentially like a balcony type thing. So again, people don't live there. Hanotea arbam ilanemachal, or a person who planted just four fruit trees as opposed to five. The chamisha ilane srak, or if you planted five trees, but they're not fruit bearing trees. Even if you planted a hundred oak trees, that would not exempt him. Hamachazir eskrushaso, although a person who is an arus waiting to get married is exempt, someone who is um, engaged, I'll call it again, who's an arus, who's you know legally but not um, functionally married to his own divorcee, meaning they were married, then they got divorced, then he gave the ring and said, Hariat Mekudeshli Batavat Zu, so now he's an Arush, he's an Arusa, but they haven't yet lived together again, and then the war begins. That guy is not entitled to go back, because that's not considered taking a wife anew for the first time. Also an Alman Lakon Gadol, and a Grush of a Chalutz Lakon Heriot. If you're talking about a, a marriage now which hasn't... Um, been fully consummated, they're not living as a husband and wife yet, but the marriage is a marriage which the halacha does not sanction. So, for example, um, a Kohen Gadol may not marry an almana, a, a widow, So, if they, if they, but if he gives her um, Kedushin, they, she does become an Arusa, and she is like an Eshesis, she's married, um, so it legally can work that they're married, but they're not allowed to stay married. So, such a marriage is not accepted as proper and permissible by the Torah, and therefore it's no reason to exempt him to go back to complete their marriage. Um, he has to stay in the front lines. Same goes for Grush and Chalutza, um, a divorced woman or a woman who had Chalitza done to her. So the Kohen Hedid, they are forbidden to marry a regular Kohen. So if that's the marriage we're talking about, but hasn't yet been um, consummated properly and they live together, so then no, he can't go back for that. Interestingly, um, two things. First of all, the Chalutza is only forbidden Midurabanan to marry a Kohen. So what we're saying here is the the Torah saying you, you're required, let's say, or you're op, op, either you're allowed or required to leave the enemy lines if you haven't, um, if you're like legally married but not functionally married to a woman, that wouldn't, that wouldn't be applicable um, to a marriage that's forbidden by the Torah or even a marriage that's forbidden just the Durabana, uh, which is interesting. Um, in addition, there's a question here. The Rambam says that a Kohen does not participate um, in in battle, um, the tribe of Levi is exempt for something doing something else, so that would include the Kohanim. Um, so then it's strange here that our mission suggests that like the Kohen Gadol would be fighting or the Grush would be fi- uh, the Kohen Hedit would be fighting. Why would that be? So one answer is that um, while they are allowed, they're not required to go fight. They are allowed to go voluntarily. Meaning, according to that answer, the Birke Yosef. So that means that a Kohen um, is allowed to opt to go, but he's not allowed to go if he is 
uh, like engaged, but not yet like, you know, functionally married to, to a woman. So the, which would tell you that the people who are exempt are, according to that, are required to leave the enemy, the front lines and go, go back. And not just optional. Okay. Others are not so convinced that's, that's the case. Okay. Um, further, the mission says of Mamzeris and Asinali Yisrael and other marriages that are forbidden. And Bas Yisrael and Mamzer, Lenasin, also forbidden marriages. I don't get into Mamzer and Nasin more than just say that they're not allowed to marry regular Jews. So those people, Lohaya Chozer, those grooms who have, they're an Arus, but they haven't yet married properly, are not allowed to go back for those kind of marriages. Rabbi Huda Omer, Afa Bonev Bias Al Mochono Lohaya Chozer. Rabbi Huda says this is like a afterthought, if you will. He says, what constitutes a new house? What if you knock down your old house and you build up a new house exactly on the same foundation with the same you know, same walls, so to speak, of the same dimensions as your original house? So is that called a new house or not? So Rehuda says, um, no, it's not a new house. It's like the same old house being rebuilt, if you know what I mean. Even if it's, like, it's new on the inside, but it's not considered new enough, if you will, to exempt him from the battle effort. The Tanakhama disagrees. The Tanakhama and the Allah is, no, if you destroy a building and then you rebuild it again, even if it's on the exact same you know, footprint on the ground, the same dimensions, it's a new house, and therefore you'd be exempt from the front lines. Uh, just let me translate the words exactly for you. Rabbi Yehuda Omer, af al Even a person who builds a house exactly on its foundations, he may not go back, and therefore um, even Rabbi Yehuda would agree that if it's not quite the same dimensions, let's say it's a little bit, of, you know, they've added an extra one row of tiles and it's like that much bigger uh, than before in the new house, so that would be enough to constitute a new house, which even according to Rabbi Yehuda would now permit this fellow to go back from the front lines because um, he hadn't yet inaugurated his home. A different side point, Rabbi Eliezer Omer, Afa Rebelezer is addressing a different question. What happens if you build a house, but the house um, is built with materials that aren't going to allow it to last very long? Um, let's say just like several years before it'll have, be it have to be rebuilt because the building materials are simply that, that poor. So does that count as a new house? Or is that just like a temporary makeshift, makeshift kind of, you know, dwelling place which wouldn't allow them to leave on the front lines? So according to Rebelezer, that um, it's not good enough. He'd have to, he would not be allowed to go back for that. And the Tanakhama, which is the Halakha, says, yes, a house, a house, even if it just lasts a few years at a time. So um, he, one could leave the front lines for such a house. And let me translate the words again carefully here for you. Rebeliezer Omer, Afabona base levenum b'sharon, even one who builds a home from bricks that come from the Sharon region, region. the Sharon region in Israel is kind of like the the, um, the western sea coast from basically... Yafo, Monday, Tel Aviv, up to Mount Carmel, like, you know, Haifa today. So the the the, soil, the clay that comes from um, that part of the country doesn't have enough clay content in it that it will allow a house to last in perpetuity. Um, the Gemara says, like, once every, sorry, twice every seven years, meaning like every several years, three or four years, it'll have to be rebuilt. So according to Rabbi Eliezer, Chozer, such a person who's built such a house or bought such a house cannot go back for it, but the lachas like the Tanakama, that yes, a person may go back even for a house that's only in the last a few years.